0: Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston.
1: I don't know about you, but it feels like God's doing some work here today. And if you've been a part of Navigation Church, normally we do a couple announcements. We celebrate with the giving of our tithes and offerings right here. But uh, just leaned over to my wife and I said, I, I think we just need the word now. And so if you're okay not keeping our organized service organized, can we just do what God wants to do today? So do me a favor, take one second, say hi to someone right around you as you have a seat, and we'll give the worship team an opportunity to transition off the stage. If you're in our online community right now, I also want to just say to you, why don't you throw up in the chat, hi, greet somebody, make sure you guys are interacting as we're in this conversation together. Even though you're not here with us right now, I can tell you, you're a part of us. So we greet greatly appreciate you being here. So one thing that I do want to make sure to highlight is tonight we're going to have a worship service. And if if you're like, man, I didn't want to stop right there. You don't have to. Come back tonight. There may be word. There may not be word. There may be Uh, uh, preaching or praying or just sitting in God's presence, but tonight there's going to be a worship night around six o'clock. But for now, I want to jump right into our conversation that we've been having, the power of no. And in the power of no, I do want to tell you this, that even this morning, as I've been walking around here all this last week, it appears the conversation that we're having, now granted, I know I'm the one preaching it, so this is kind of weird to say, But it appears what I have to say during these past couple weeks, which by the way, is the word of God, not the word of David. That's why I think it's having impact. I keep hearing people say that they are being impacted by this conversation that we're in the middle of. So if you are impacted by it, if you have a testimony, if something radical has happened in your life, could you do me a favor? And yes, I know this is going out even after the fact, post-production, you're, those of you watching online, send us an email at mystory@navchurch.org. Mystory@navchurch.org, because it's one thing for you to passively make a comment to me, send a text or something like that, but we want to collect these stories because I'm telling you, your breakthrough your freedom isn't the only person experiencing right now, and we want to be able to share the testimonies of what Jesus is doing. And so, if you have a story, my story at navchurch.org, and those of you online right now, do me a favor: make sure to throw that in the chat. Send your stories to mystory at navchurch.org. If you forget the email address, you can go back on our Facebook feed. You can go back on our feed later, and you can see it. I would love to know about your stories. But I want to start off by saying this. How many of you know what cognitive load theory is? C-L-T. Okay, good. Let's talk about it for a minute. This is a theory that is out there, very well studied. And I read so much about it that I have no idea what I read. Has anyone ever read medical stuff like that before? Where you're like, this must be really smarter than me because I don't get it. Let me explain it this way. This is how I've come to understand it. Think of you as a computer. And how many know you have some memory banks? You have some storage that you can pull back in front. So you have your memory banks and then you're able to spit out data that's inside of you. You're able to dialogue, we're able to do that. Just like a computer, you can hit print and it comes spitting out. But just like a computer, we all have a processor in our brain that can only process so much information. And you know this to be true, ready for this? How many know someone, and by the way, no elbowing allowed right now. This is just you and I, like it's between us. How many know somebody that life is going, everything's going fine, but if you throw something new at them, it doesn't bother them. They can kind of bring it into their fold. They deal with it and they can keep moving on, right? You know that person. But do you know the other person that you throw something new at them and they freeze up? their processing system becomes overloaded. They freeze up. No, I mean, you hit control alt, delete all you want. And you're like, Hey, it's no big deal. We can handle this. They can't handle and this is too much. And why are you throwing this at me last minute? You should have told me that you invited 22 people over to my house on a Sunday right after church in order to meet with people. This kind of feels like a real story. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. And it might've been me doing the meltdown. It might've been me been like, babe, this is fine. We can handle this. It'll be like it. All of a sudden you throw something at somebody and they freeze up because we have limited processing systems. So what happens if you're the person that your memory is nice and full, your actions, your life are constantly busy, and all of a sudden temptation gets thrown your way? Do you know how to process that temptation or do you freeze up? We have to understand our computers in our brains have limited ability. And at some point you just go, I don't care anymore. And you quit, you give up. So the reason we've been talking about the power of no is there's decisions in our life we can make ahead of time so that we're in the heat of the battle. When we're in the midst of our addiction when the temptation is at the greatest, we don't have to process it. We've already made a decision ahead of time. We're not doing it. And so that's why we've been talking about this power of no. So how do you know what you should do and shouldn't do? My question is for you simply this. What is your mission in life? Is your mission in life to be a good father? Then I would say this, don't work 90 hours a week forsaking your marriage and your children. It's time to start saying no. Do you want to be a good mother? Then what do you need to do? To, what do you need to start saying no to? If you want to have an education in your life and you just haven't taken time to go back to school, it may be time to say no to Netflix. It may be time to start saying no to your brain. And you're like, well, what do you mean? Like, because I found this amazing article in Y-Access in May 2023, the average American looks at their phone 144 times per day. And by the way, that was a year ago. I wonder if we're more or less now. Well, probably less. Well, the problem is in 2022, the average American spent two hours and 54 minutes on their phone. In 2023, it went up to four hours and 25 minutes. Well, I don't have time to do this. Maybe you do.
0: (laughs) Yes, maybe.
1: If you say no to something, that means you absolutely can say yes to something else. One thing that we all want to say no to is sin in our life. So what's one of the ways that we talked about setting sin in our life? We talked about this in week number two, and I encourage you to go back to read it. Number one, we move the boundaries away from us. If I'm addicted to this thing, rather than brushing up against it, I'm gonna move my line way over here. If I have a problem being on my phone too much, then what can I do to limit the amount of time that I'm on my phone? If I have a problem driving too fast, how can I set an alarm to leave five minutes earlier so I can obey the laws of the land and not kill somebody? Like it's little things like that. Like how do you move the boundary over a little bit? Right now, I feel like every one of those examples, you think I was talking about me. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. But here's the other thing. After we move the line, we have to tell ourselves the truth of what that sin does. Well, it's no big deal. It's late at night. I got online and looked at something I shouldn't have. Wait a second, that thing you're looking at, that's an adulterous affair. Like, let's call it what it is. Oh, I just looked at a little porn. That's like saying I just a little bit kissed someone else other than my wife. Is that a line? No, 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 no. It's adultery or it's not. Let's talk about it. The moment I'm looking at that thing online and everybody in my life finds out about it, I'm willing to risk all my relational equity, all my trust and all my relationships to look at that one thing online. Wait a second. We have to tell ourselves the truth of the repercussions of our sin. Well, it's just, it's one one more donut. Wait a second. It may be just one more donut, but number one, your credit card can't afford it. Number two, neither can your cholesterol. Right? Fast forward 20 years later. And I'm living in debt, overweight. Why is this happen? It, because all the time I was willing to kind of cross a line. There's no such thing as kind of having an adulterous affair. There's no such thing as kind of sinning. It is what it is. And so we need to fight against it. One of the ways we're going to fight against it is we're going to use the word. We talked about this last week. We don't use the word of God as some magic spell to get rid of any type of temptation we have. We use the word of God because it's who we are, and we merely speak the truth to the situation to reinforce the belief that's inside of us. Man, I wish I preached that last week. That good. Shut up. like That was good. So, I, I, a pastor that I uh, highly, uh, I, I honor and respect. Never met the gentleman. Um he, told it, he said this in one of his sermons, so I feel comfortable saying it. His name's Craig Rochelle. He was talking about how he moved the boundaries. And he said on his phone, he has, um, I think it's called Private Eyes. It's a Christian uh, uh, app that you can download that limits what you can look at. And he said this. One day, he wanted to rent a hot air balloon for him and his wife. And because he typed in the word hot in the search, he couldn't look anything up. And it was interesting because my first thought was this, how inconvenient. And then I had my revelation. We make sinning convenient. We make righteousness inconvenient. But when we talk about the power of no, we're choosing to make righteousness convenient and unrighteousness inconvenient. And if you're like, oh, I just want to look up a word hot air balloon, then get your wife to sit next to you as you type in the password. Well, it's no longer a surprise. Then who's a part of your sobriety network? Connect with them. Go out of your way. Make sinning inconvenience. And next thing you know, righteousness becomes the yes automatically. So this is what we've been talking about. And instead... Last week, I threw out this phrase. Everyone seemed to like it. We have to stop using our disappointments to justify our disobedience. So with everything that I've been saying to you, I could talk to you more about the psychology of CLT or cognitive load theory. But the thing is, we don't come here for pop psychology. We come here for the word of God. But I found something pretty interesting in the word of God. Science today actually is revealing truth that was in the Bible a long time ago. So I'm going to talk to you about how to unload your processing system so you don't get overwhelmed in the moment. And we're going to do that by going to Matthew chapter 6. If you're watching us online, we're going to be dropping this in the chat. If you want to follow me with the notes, make sure to download our app. And everybody here, send all your testimonies to my story at navchurch.org feel like I've plugged that enough so far today. There it is. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. This is Jesus sitting on a mountain. And this is the beatitudes or excuse me, this is the sermon on the mount. The famous beatitudes started it, but Jesus kept preaching along and he said, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Today we're going to talk about worry and anxiety. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear." Is not life more than food and the body and more than clothes? So let's just pause here, real quick. As I was preparing this, I recognize that if I tell you, I don't want you to worry about worry, I don't want you to have anxiety, I don't want you to deal with depression, as pastors, we say this that preaches by the mile but it's hard to live it by the inch. So if you're here today and you suffer chronically from worry, anxiety, depression, I hope you hear me say this so clearly today. Any passive comment I make, any like just do this and you have tried it, you should know I'm not trying to belittle something that you're suffering from or going through. If anything, I want to tell you that the God I'm telling you about is bigger than it. The thing you're suffering from, worrying about, anxious about, I want to encourage you to stand next to the God of the universe that can deliver you from all of it but it's not a magic pill, it's not a wand that I can wave, or it's probably not a single prayer. It may end up being a daily declaration that you make until what? Till you believe it, until it becomes the word inside of you that you start speaking it out. Because I recognize, I, and by the way, I know I'm talking serious right now, I recognize that at any moment, I will make a dumb, foolish, or silly statement. No one wants to say amen to that. Come on, babe. Come on, babe. I know you were there for me on that one. But if that happens today, I am in no way trying to belittle something that I know is serious in America, serious in today's culture. And by the way, there is one tool that you can use that I'm going to tell you about at the end, and it's to live in community. When you're by yourself, it's the greatest time for the enemy to attack because no one speaks worse about you than you. So let's get around some fellow believers. They'll speak truth about you. Okay. So can everyone here, can I, can I put that out there just as a thought to get us started? The next thing I want to say is in this scripture, Matthew 6, 25, it says, why are you worrying about life? We worry about life because we fall into three temptations that we talked about last week. What are these three temptations? What you have, what you do, and what people think about you. Now, if you were to look up in 1 John 2.16, you would see that we define it this way. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If we're worried about what everybody else thinks, if we're worried about what everybody else sees, and if we're worried about what everybody else has that we don't have, I guarantee you, you're going to live a life of worry and anxiety because you will never be able to keep up with them. I was just talking to someone right before church started, and they were uh, humbly bragging that they just came back from a cruise after they found out I've never been on one. Oh, you know where you're sitting. And so it's that direction. And so... But then I was telling them, I said, no, I want to go on a cruise even more now because I recently, I watch I way too many YouTube food people. Just so you know, I, I, I think I'm a foodie, but I, I, I am kind of one. And this guy went on a cruise. It was $40,000 a ticket. And the more that I watched it, the more that I wanted it. The lust of my eyes wanted what his flesh was eating right? I just, there was almost one worker per person on the cruise. At any time of the day, you can get anything you want. To me, that's what heaven is. (laughs) Not biblically, but Davidly, that is what heaven is. And then they stop and they get to walk on a glacier and they get to see the penguins. I don't know why I did a walk. I don't, I don't know (laughs) why that manifested, but it did. It's it's just, they, they got to see the penguins and then they got to see whale carcass bones and all these things. And I was like, that looks gorgeous. And here's the thing, that's what I want in life unless it goes against my mission in life. Now listen, if you can do that and God has blessed you with it, you should know I'm not gonna sit up here and go, if you're rich, you need to give all your money away. Actually, that's unbiblical. If you're rich, God has given you, out of the book of Romans, by the way, God may have given you the gift of giving. You know what you need to give? Something. Money. You do. And so if it doesn't go against your mission in life, you should do it. But I'm going to ask you again, what is your mission in life? And I can promise you this. Defining who you are by what you have. Defining who you are by what you do. And defining who you are by what other people think of you. That's not your mission in life. You have moved to mission critical at this point. Because you are suffering from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Jesus goes on in this first sermon that he's preaching. He says, Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow, or do they not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worry at a single? hour to your life can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life luke 12 says this can anybody through worry add a cubit of measure to their height could you imagine meeting someone (laughs) what's the matter i'm not tall enough so you kind of giggle because it's stupid to say out loud But the fact is, you're worrying about something that you have no ability to change. Do you think worrying can add one minute to your life? Oh, I really don't hope I don't have a heart attack. Oh, I really hope I don't have a heart attack. I really don't. Actually, oddly enough, if you worry too much about not having a heart attack, it'll add stress to your life. You're with me on that one? could have the negative repercussions to the very thing that you're worrying about. And so what happens? The problem is we are focusing on the wrong thing instead of being here now. So I'm going to throw out this line and we'll try to unpack it. See if you agree with me. Worrying is focusing on a future that you can't control. Anxiety is focusing on a past that you can't change. Hopefully you heard that. Worrying is looking into the future about a situation coming your way that you can't control, but you think worrying about it will add an inch of measure to your life or your height or a moment longer of your life. It's untrue. You can't control what the future is about to bring to you. Anxiety is looking to the past, wanting to change the outcome of an action that you've already taken. The past is the past. The future still to come, but the present is what we have to unpack. This is where we should be living. If you suffer from worry and anxiety, I would say this, you need to learn the art of being centered in the moment. And I know you can say, man, that really does sound like pop psychology, but it says this, there's birds throughout the world that do nothing about their food, but yet God takes care of feeding them. They don't build barns, but yet they have everything they need every day. All they do is live in the moment. They fly, they poop on your car, and then they land. How many, many want to see the guy, go wash your car tomorrow and see if I'm wrong about that, right? right on the windshield. Who ate blueberries? Like, it's just amazing. Like, <laughs> these birds never once... Did they have to start a small group going, where do you think we're going to eat tonight? No, instinctively, they know when to land. They know when to go north or they know when to go south. Why? Because there's something inside of them that their creator gave to them that he cares so much about them. And they just live in the moment. At some point, we need to start living in the moment. And when our brain starts going, well, this is coming and this is coming and this is happening and this happened, I have one simple question. Can you do anything about those? Because by the way, some of the things coming down your way, you probably could do. Because your current actions are setting up future negative results. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things you can't control. Or looking back on your life and you're going, oh, I'm anxious about this. And I couldn't believe I said this. And I couldn't believe that. If you can't do anything to rectify the situation, just come back here to the moment. And by the way, millions of people around the world practice this every single day by a single prayer. And if you don't know the prayer, it goes like this. God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Give me the wisdom to know the things I can change in the future. Give me the strength to change the things I can't. Hang on, I said said that prayer wrong. Let me start this over. Give me the wisdom to know the things I cannot change. And most likely those are in the past. But give me the strength to change the things in the future that are coming my way. But God, right here in this moment of serenity, give me the wisdom to know which one it is. Because if it's neither, it's not worth worrying about it or being anxious about it. It's trusting that the God of the universe has you in his hands. How much does he have you in his hands? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin, or here's another way to say it if you really unpack that, they don't have to shave a sheep, spin some yarn, and then sh- sh- sew a shirt. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how he or will he not much more close you, you of little faith? So Solomon, in case you don't know who this is, this random reference that Jesus is making, they call him the, the wisest man who ever lived, and I think you can make an argument, quite possibly the richest also. And in all his wisdom, and in all his wealth, God is saying, you see this rose, I dress it more beautiful than he ever was. You see this grass that you're playing in that, by the way, it's just gone tomorrow. God's hobby is to make it the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Have you ever been in springtime away from the city and the lights looking at rolling hills or wheat moving in the... We've seen it all around where we live. And there's something breathtaking about going onto the side of a mountain or a cliff and overseeing a beautiful water that's running through. And we all do the same thing. Even if you're not a nature guy, you have to pause. Why? Because the beauty of it. Right? And God is saying, look at all this beauty. By the way, if you spend your entire life dressing in the most exquisite things, no one will be as breathtaking, their breath will be taken away like a moment on the side of this mountain. And this is what I do. And by the way, tomorrow, it's gonna be gone and you're here forever. Why am I taking time to unpacking these scriptures that are so clear about what they're saying? Because I need you to get a different perspective of how your God takes care of you how your God views you, how your God wants to nurture you and and raise you up and give you what you need. This is important. Now, somebody in here, somebody watch, actually, no, 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 not not you guys, not you online, someone watching later just heard me read that and you're like, that's the scripture that proves that I'm allowed to be lazy. Ah, We're going to talk about this for a second. One of the greatest dangers as Christians is we can get the Bible to prove anything we want it to. But the greatest responsibility that we have is to see what the truth of the scripture is trying to say. Proverbs says this, that a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. Uh, Actually, Proverbs says this, that we should be like the ant. How many have ever had ants in your house? They're busy all the time storing up food to eat. Actually, scripture goes on to say this, that a lazy man is worse than a sinner. If you're saved and you're lazy, God says you're worse than a sinner. And by the way, you're like, wow, pastor, that's really harsh. No, it's just actually what the scripture is. We weren't created to live, and I will say it this way, we weren't created to live off government subsidies. We weren't created to live with hand-me-downs of someone else's labor. We weren't created for an Egyptian mindset that a big government will just take care of us. It's not how we were created. You were created actually to reveal the handiwork of God. And in doing that... We get paid for it. We get resources. We get it. This is not a scripture to be lazy, but as you are faithfully working, if you're not living in the moment and worrying about the future or anxious about the past, God is reminding you that even in Solomon and all that he did could not give what a single rose is decorated like or clothed in. God is saying you will have everything that you need. Notice I said need and not want. I need a house to live in. I want to be on a $40,000 cruise. $80,000, you want to go? <laughs> Forty, dollars and I'll send pictures. Couple right <laughs> Mother's Day, we're going to kick off a series called Love and Marriage. Cammie will be up here with me. You may want to join in. She'll have something to say. So verse 31, so do not worry saying what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now ready for this? I've been asking you three different times today. What is your mission in life? Jesus may just be giving you the answer. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. If you do not know what your mission in life is, may I suggest that you pull out verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Why are we suffering from worry and anxiety? Rather than living in the moment and dealing what life is bringing to us now, we are jumping to tomorrow and bringing in tomorrow's worries to add on today's worries. And then we look back and go, you know how I got here. And we reach back into the past and we pull in our anxiety. So now we're dealing with today's worries, tomorrow's worries, yesterday's anxieties. And we wonder why our processing system can't handle all of it. We have piled it upon ourselves. And keep in mind, I understand, I'm going to say this again. For those of you that this has kind of been a chronic thing, I hope you don't hear me just say, stop worrying about tomorrow, stop being anxious about tomorrow, and just live in the moment. It's so much more than that. But what I'm trying to lay out for you is the picture that the word gives us. Because sometimes when we win up here, we can win out there. And if I can see that, oh, I am reaching in tomorrow, because after all, a couple months from now, my son's going to be getting his driver's license. And he's going to get his driver's license when means he's driving without me. And I know he knows how to do turnabouts because I have taught him how to do turnabouts and you should learn how to do turnabouts. And so... <clears throat> Sorry, that, was, that wasn't Pastor David. That was Daddy David there. So, so all of a sudden, he's going to be driving by himself, and there's other cars and I can't control. And all of a sudden, So you know what I'm going to do? This will be helpful. I'm going to reach six months into the future and bring that worry into now. I have a question. What's going to change? What's going to change about that? Right? Man, I disappointed my wife a month ago, and I can't believe that I wasn't honest with her. This is a made-up, by the way, made-up example. I feel like I should. I feel like... Unless you want to feed me a real one, I don't want you to, but. My wife six months ago lied to me. (laughs) No. Yeah, yeah, definitely made up now. Guaranteed to be made up. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reach back in the past and I'm going to bring this thing. But the problem is there are some things in the past because when dad said that to me, when mom walked out on the family, when someone tried to improperly touch me, when I, So the problem is there are things. This in the past is a real thing. This thing in the future is a real thing. But if I can't do anything about them, then how do I live in the moment? And if they've decided to show up in the moment, there is a chance. Consider this. There is a chance God allowed that to come in the moment because he was ready for your breakthrough at that moment. And so rather it being there to defeat you, God in all his splendor has set it up so you can find freedom from it. So I'm gonna just take three minutes here. Can we actually let's do this? Holy Spirit, I feel you moving right now. I think there's people that are even watching online that you had me playing in the background but you've paused. I think there's individuals sitting here right now that your mind, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me say this. Your mind wants to believe it, but your anxiety and worrying is even fighting you in this moment. I speak against those demonic things in your life, and I say freedom in the name of Jesus. I say, Holy Spirit, we renew our minds right here, right now. And this isn't going to be a one-all done prayer, but Holy Spirit, this is the demarcation line in the sand that things change from this moment. We now see it for what it is, and it's the enemy's attack to overwhelm the processing system in our brain to try to stop us from the moment. But Lord, in that moment, a bird's going to fly by, and we're going to remember the words of Jesus saying that bird has no worry. We're going to look and see the grass in front of us and the beauty of what it is and the softness underneath our feet. And we're going to remember, God, you clothed this thing that's going to be gone tomorrow. Holy Spirit, you, God, I just see in this, you actually allow creation to testify of your goodness on a daily basis to us. So God, we allow creation to testify of your handiwork in our life now. And I speak against worry. I speak against anxiety in the name of Jesus for those chronic demonic things in your life that have been habitual. I speak broken in the name of Jesus. We break the back of the enemy in name of Jesus. And I say freedom for every person that this has been an ongoing, can't sleep at night, up in the middle of the night, cold sweats, we break its power over you in the name of Jesus. your promises are yes and amen I will rest in your faithfulness and I'm confident I'm confident in you today God come on how many could feel just the presence of God into the room bringing freedom to people today I would like to do this though. I have four very, very, very practical things that I'd like to give to you for those that are having a problem with saying no. And maybe you need to print this out and have it in your pocket like a reference card. And if someone comes up to you and asks you to do something, you go, hang on a second, I've started a new practice in my life. You can even say it this way, a new spiritual discipline. And before I say yes, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to rehearse my response to you, which means I'm not going to do it right here, right now. I'm going to rehearse the response that I wish I would have gave you. How many have ever said yes in the moment just to walk away and go, God, why did I do that? Okay, so, so we're here. You said yes in the moment, you walk away and immediately you went, I didn't want to say yes. I wanted to say No. So here's what I'm going to do. And by the way, it's easy. You pull it out of your pocket and you go, this is something I need to rehearse my response to you. So I'm not going to be able to give you an answer right here, right now. I've actually, and, and by the way, feel free to call me out. But most of the times when I call someone to ask them to help something in the ministry, be a part of one of our teams or something like that, one of the things that I found is, as the lead pastor of the church, when I call you, most of the times people answer the phone even if it's at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and their thought is, why is the pastor calling me, right? And the other thing is, it's really hard to say no to me. Why? Because you think you're disappointing God. Couple things that you need to know. You're not, I'm not, let's move on. But here's what I have found myself saying. I wanna talk to you about a ministry at the church that I think you'd be fantastic at, but you should know now, I'm gonna ask you about this ministry, but I do not want a response right now. I try to take that off of people because I understand the moment I show up and be like, man, we need this. Can you help us? Oh, yeah, I can help you. And then you walk away. Oh, why did I say yes? So now you just start despising God and the church because of your inability to say no. So the first thing you need to do is rehearse it. What do you wish you would have said? And you need to practice that. Number two, you need to be honest. The reason you're saying no Because here's the thing, you're not saying no to the person, you're saying no to the thing. Things don't have feelings. And if the person gets offended, they had an agenda. Okay, I guess we're going to pause here for a second. By the way, I'm getting to go over my three minutes that I just promised you. Right? And I'll use myself for an example then. If I come to you, or I'll even say this, if any of our leadership comes, and now, by the way, I'm not talking about, hey, true story, on Thursday night, someone cut out the pipes leading into this building so that they could steal the copper from us, and we had no water. I no longer was saying, does anyone feel led to help us? (laughs) Right? That, That... this was a, uh, you're volunteered that Jesus needs you here, right? <laughs> no, it was Actually, it was. It, it, here's what's great, and I'm just going to brag. Yeah. Our volunteers that stepped up, you know, exactly. uh, okay, Mike, you're going to be mad at me, and I don't care. Mike, Mike and Doug, which I don't see where Doug is right now, yeah. spent at least seven hours up here replacing pipes that shouldn't have been cut out. Right. And when I said to them, please let me buy you lunch, which by the way is us buying them lunch. They said no. And I said, well, just tell me what you want and I'll bring it. They said no. They wouldn't even let us spend 20 bucks to say thank you to them. Okay. So I will be honest. When those phone calls happen, I have no concern about who I'm, who's in the trenches with me here. There you go. Right. But with that said, and by the way, my three minutes starts back over now. <laughs> no, it doesn't, because I have two more points. Ready for this? If someone comes up to you and says, listen, as a ministry, I've been praying, and I think this is a spot that you should be maybe consider stepping into. And if you say no to them, which, by the way, if you just say, no, I don't love Jesus, like, that's on you. But if you go, listen, where my life is right now, family, sickness, work, children something like that listen it's okay to just say i don't have margin in my room I, I don't have processing space i can't do one more thing that's fine that's one thing and if they walk away oh my gosh i can't believe it hang on your agenda wasn't to find someone to step into ministry your agenda was to find holes in your ministry and those are two different things your agenda wasn't to find a spot for them in ministry. Your agenda was just to fill holes in your ministry. And if your friends only call you because they have to move every couple months because they can't afford rent and you no longer want to let them borrow your truck and they get mad that they can't borrow your truck, what are they friends with, you or your truck? Okay, I got, hang on, this is not the sermon. We're moving on. This has definitely become self-help. Let's move on. Rehearse it. When you go to say no, be honest about it. Number three, offer al- uh, alternatives. Hey, I appreciate that you came to talk to me about this. Have you considered two guys in a truck? Why, why don't you pay to move your own stuff, not get free people. Like, you probably don't want to say that. Probably don't want to say that. No one's going to call me to help them move anytime soon. Like not after this. Here's the other thing. Do not rush. When making decisions, you have to say this to yourself: What is best case, and what is worst case scenario? And by the way, I'm speaking out of truth in my own life on this. About a month and a half ago, Cammy and I got a pretty exciting phone call, and it was an opportunity. And by the way, I don't mind telling you about this because I have a family, I need to make money, and I want my kids. I want to lay up an inheritance for my children's children. It's the Bible. So if you don't want your pastor to make money, you're in the wrong spot. Okay, But I got a phone call with a possibility of being an investor in a nearly $3 million apartment complex. But the thing we would have to bring to the table is a certain amount of money or we'd have to carry a certain amount of debt. And so I started doing research and I came to Cammie and I said to her, hey, this is a great opportunity. We need to really consider it. And here's what I found. And she asked me this, what happens if it all goes bad? I said, we lose absolutely everything we own. You're saying, that's our consequence. What's the upside? I can take a $40,000 cruise. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) That's how you bring a joke back, folks. That's quality humor right there, made up on the spot. You're welcome, no. Notice I still said 40,000. Like, you're still not a part of this with me, so. (laughs) I love you, I love you. So, when I was trying to make a decision of yes or no, I had to look at best case and worst case scenario. And when I look at, my kids don't have a house to live in. Is that the risk I'm willing to take? Wait a second. I can be able to, afford, wait, cruise homelessness. If it was somewhere closer, maybe, right? But here's what I did. I didn't rush it so that I could think through the consequences as well as the opportunities. So when you go to say no to someone, feel free to practice this. I've started a new discipline in my life. The new discipline is for me to process every decision so I make a holistic decision. And by the way, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to rehearse how I'll answer to you. So can I get back with you tomorrow? And then as you get away, you can go, okay, what's the best case, worst case? No, I think this is something. Oh, by the way, pray about it. Find Jesus' heart. But then if you are going back with no, one of the things you could do is come back and just say, hey, it's a no for me, but have you considered? Right? Right? And so you're being honest with them, giving them an alternative to what they might have to. I know that this was a very like practical thing, but I believe this, the word of God is only as good as how we apply it to our life. And so I want you to imply this. And here's what the ultimate thing, the reason you're gonna rehearse yes, and the reason you're gonna rehearse no, is because life is so much more than what you do, what you collect, and what other people think about you. And if you have a fear to say the word no, you will fall into those temptations every single time. So now, when it comes to worry and anxiety, could I quickly have a couple Nav group people come up here with me? don't worry, they know who they are. They're just going to come up. Tony, can you make sure to grab a microphone so we can have it already in your hand? For As they're walking up here, for those of you online and everyone watching us, if you want to continue to read and find freedom in this place, I found a multi, a five-day uh, five day reading program in YouVersion Bible app on worry and anxiety. I've already read the, uh, every one I give to you, I've already read them at least a week ahead of time. This one, if you have worry and anxiety, this may be the best reading program we've thrown out there for you. So please don't stop your journey with Christ today. Keep journeying, keep reading, but... If you suffer from any type of worry and anxiety, I think one of the greatest tools that you can have is community. And here at Navigation Church, we have these community groups. We call them NAV groups, these community groups that meet throughout the week. And the first one, uh, pick a number between 1 and 10. Tony and Heather, you go first. Tony and Heather meet. Uh, where do you meet? When do you meet? And you thought about it.
2: We meet Wednesday night, 615. We bring a little food. We meet at... 10 deer trail in collinsville at josh and sarah bland's house they're our hosts we're the leaders they're co-leading and we have a little meal we start talking around seven we end at eight o'clock because we have some kids that like to go to bed and be ready for school so we end pretty quick at eight (laughs) (laughs) o'clock he does fall asleep on the couch sometimes
3: all right i'm back Uh, Yeah, so it's an awesome time. I just wanted to give you a quick testimony of kind of an example of things that happen on a semi-regular basis at Nav Group. So we have a friend who's been um, a friend through church ministry and then outside of that for 12 or 15 years or so, uh, been on missions trips with him to Costa Rica, and he ended up walking a path of a prodigal. So he was out doing some other things for a while. And
1: why'd you look at me when you said that? Cause you did it too. <laughs> I, I've known you since you were 14, man. I got, well, we got to get on to the next testimony. No, Let's you, just spend a
3: five. <laughs> no. So, uh, so this guy ran, we've been praying for prodigals. Has anybody else had that burden lately? We've been praying for prodigals. So this guy, it's been a couple of months ago now, but he just called randomly. He didn't even live in state. And he said, I'm in town. Can I get with you guys? And we just started having this amazing conversation. And then he ended up, working remotely. So he stayed here longer. We started doing some restoration and some time with him. Now this is not nav group, right? But this is happening. And then, and this guy has an amazing anointing to just like pray for people and just hear God's voice for somebody. And so it's sad whenever you see that that's not being used. So he's in this process of just coming back to Jesus and, and all that wonderfulness. And then we go to have a nav group, and we've got everybody in the nav groups are struggling at any given time with something, right? So we had a particular person in our nav group that was really going through a hard time. This guy that we've been working with, he was like, well, what are you guys doing on Wednesday? And we said, come to our nav group. So he shows up, and he's very backseat-ish. So we get to the end of nav group, and we're like, we're going to pray for this lady who's been in our group. And so we put her in the hot seat in the middle of the room, which we don't necessarily do all the time, but... We're just so not we're a like a fail
1: point at this point. We I'll just be well, with you. it's
3: not like literally hot. <laughs> There's no wires connected. But so we're just like calling down Jesus and just believing for some healing and some relief and grace and all the stuff. And so we're praying and all of a sudden I just kind of hear God go, He needs to pray for her. And so I'm looking back at him and he you can tell he's like, I need to pray for her. So I said, Hey, do you want to pray any? And he's like, Yeah. So he came up and he just He just prayed this prayer that was just straight from heaven, just created an atmosphere of God touching her in a way. It was powerful. It was amazing. It was, we want to say, random. God had been putting these pieces together from across the nation for this moment to happen at Nav Group, and that's just kind of how it feels on a regular basis. Maybe not from so far away, but it's it's awesome to be there and just watch how God uses those moments to do something.
1: What's cool about something like that is Do you think on a Sunday morning, if it's like, hey man, I think you should go up and pray for this person in front of everyone. Just so you know, the next week, fewer people are going to be at church. They're like, is that going to be me next time? In community, in a smaller group environment, we just see greater expressions of Jesus. And that's absolutely incredible. Neil and Terry, my, what? Oh, you need this? First off, thank you for allowing us
2: to talk about our ministry on the same day that you talk about the power of no. I really appreciate that. Awesome. Go for it, Neil. Uh, I'm Neil Sedergren. This is my wife, Terry. Terry is in charge of just about everything except public speaking, so you're stuck (laughs) with me for just a few minutes this morning. So we've been involved in our NAV group for about five years. Our NAV group meets on Wednesday nights at our home in Troy, Illinois. It's about 10 minutes from here. Eight if you drive our David's speed. That's right. Oh. Our group has a meal at 6.30 when we meet, so people don't have to worry about dinner. We also have a basement full of kids and toys, so you don't have to worry about childcare. Our group ranges from about age 5 to about age 75, so you don't have to worry about being in the right age group. Some come for the meal, some come just for the group meeting, some come for both. Uh, (laughs) Pastor David used to come just for the dessert, and that was fine. That's also true. It's good dessert, too. Do you remember that? Every time. We've been talking on Sundays for a while, several months, about how church is really not a location. Mm -hmm. It's not a structure. We are greeted every Sunday with, welcome to the building. Church. Sometimes more church Happens on Wednesday nights at our house than it does on Sunday. And that's that's no disrespect to what we do here. That's awesome. I am absolutely convinced that if you want to grow close to God, you need more than an hour or two on on. Sunday mornings to do it. Come on. A little about me. Terry and I started going to a Bible study in small group shortly after we got married. And initially, I went very reluctantly. Let me re-say that. (laughs) We Lee, <laughs> Lee. I'm an introvert, and I made certain not to participate at all. I don't believe I spoke for the first three years. Not once. Is that true? Yes. Oh. Maybe good morning. I'm so happy you're sharing this. This is, awesome. yeah, this is awesome. But thankfully, God did not quit on me, no matter how stubborn I was or still am you don't have to believe me that nav group can be life-changing here are just a few comments from group members that i just want to share with you and these are quotes we have attended our nav group for two and a half years and couldn't imagine our lives without it not only do we value breaking bread with fellow christians and sharing everyone's lives we look forward to getting into god's word each week Mm -hmm. number two we have been part of a nav group for about two years now it is the best night of our week We join in fellowship with other Christians and learn more about the Bible while also discussing topics of concern to all of us. It provides a space to discuss, learn, and reflect on God's word. Finally, number three, I'm almost done, I promise.
1: This is awesome.
2: As a group, we have laughed, cried, and prayed together. When one of us is down, the group is there to provide encouragement, prayers, and support. This goes beyond our weekly meeting time. Our NAV group members truly feel like family, and we would not want to do life without them. Despite the sermon being about no, I'm here to tell you to try a group. It's powerful. Try one, try two, try all of them. See how it feels. Going once does not commit you to anything. Mm -hmm. About half of our group does not even go to church here. I don't think we can fully experience what God has for us without relationships. I was probably one of the me- most one of the least relational people in the world. Some probably still say that's true. But God used small groups and still does to open my eyes to know him better. Wow. Try it out. Thank you. Wow. Come on. Wow. <laughs>
1: So here's what's amazing. This is actually Cami and I's nav group. And even though last session we missed way more than we made it because we have kids and we have obligations. Um, And then this session, I'm now hosting a meeting up here. Anyone suffering from addictions. I have a meeting every Wednesday night, 630 here. But I went to them and it was like, hey, we're not going to be able to make it on Wednesday night. They still include us in their nav group. And I know that if there's an issue that I have a family outside of this that I get to go to. So just so you know, like this is my nav group when we're able to make it. And so this isn't something we're just telling you you need to do. This is something that we are. And so I invite you to find one of these community groups. So here's what we're going to do. Children's ministry is going to close in two and a half minutes. Can't get them ahead of time. The ushers are barring the back doors so you can't leave. So for the next two and a half minutes, I need you to stand to your feet and say hi to someone right around you. If you know everybody around you, you have to go to Troy. (laughs) You have to go to Edwardsville. You have to go somewhere. You're not allowed to leave for three minutes until you at least find someone you don't know and you greet them. Now. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, No Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.